0: I'm going to talk very softly because this is really loud. You want me to adjust things? Can, can you turn the, like the monitor down? Yeah. Because I'm really loud in my own ear holes. Oh, that's better. Good. That's better. How's that? Yeah. We sound like we're at the same level. Okay, cool. All right. And and so, okay, hit us with a welcome. Uh, Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Brilliant, a podcast about innovation, design, and experience. Uh, As always, I am Justin Jurek, Vice President of User Experience at Mignani. And with me is Justin Dobb, President of Mignani. Justin, tell us a little bit about what's been going on near the office this past week. (laughs) So we were the uh, lucky
1: recipients of, um, what, 50,000 Lollapalooza, either ticket holders or hangers-on. Yeah. Um, uh, And uh, enough clothing for at least 10,000 people. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so much body and, glitter, and I'd say more <laughs> g- glitter for at least two hundred thousand people.
0: I got on the train uh, to come into the office, or actually leaving the office on uh, on Friday, and the floor was just a wash in glitter. I was like, "Oh, the people at the CTA are probably <laughs> super excited about this weekend."
1: Yeah, and uh, and as we've you know spent years uh, enjoying uh, Lollapalooza goers uh, they're just getting younger and younger yeah, it's are. a little disturbing it's
0: weird how that happens right
1: i mean it used to be you know granted there there could be a little bit that i'm getting older and it, older and it's, and it's all relative that's
0: it um, that is what it is
1: <laughs> but i do think you know it used to be people who are like 18 and you know 19 plus and and it's really down to i see 14 13 year olds you know yeah um so it's 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 a, you know it's weird yeah, to, it, to
0: see that many kind of uh, unattended youths. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they opened it to another day this yeah. year too, so it was not just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but there was also a Thursday. So you know why not? I think they originally wanted it to be like two weekends. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Coachella does it like that. It's two consecutive weekends, and the city was probably like, you know what? No, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe not. So yeah. how many times
1: can you have people coming to bury their drugs before the <laughs> before the show? <laughs> Before the show starts, right? Yeah, your, right. This is the also get the ex- dogs out. You know, speaking of, you know, smartphones, right? This is the weird unintended consequence of smartphones is that they all have, you know, fairly precise GPS positioning. So mm. all you have to do is come stand in a spot, dig a hole, drop your illicit, uh, you know, medications, uh, and yeah. uh, and then, you know, m- basically save your location. And then you navigate back to it and start digging. Oh, God. Yeah. So my. It's it's not for me, but no. it's at least a technology issue. Yeah, for sure. All right. First of all, tell me about your new, you've you just upgraded your Android phone.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I have a Google Pixel 2. And last year when we were doing the whole like contract up ready to get a new phone deal, I had an iPhone before that. And I went in and they were like, hey, do you want a Google Pixel 2? Because it's Christmas and we're getting rid of those and it's $300 cheaper. And I was like, sure. And it turns out, it's it's a great device. You know, my main reason for staying with an iPhone was the photo app, particularly with kids, uh. it was so much superior on an iPhone historically. But the Pixel Two has been great, um, and I think again, it's the same reason why an iPhone's photo app is great because the software and the hardware work really tightly. Yeah. You know, with Google, you know, Android in general on like Samsung devices and stuff, it seemed it always seemed laggy to me. Yeah. But on the Pixel Two, it's it's pretty tight. And yesterday, I upgraded. Um, to the newest version of Android, Android Pie, which I think is version nine. And, you know, again, it's not hugely different, but it seems like they're doing a really nice job of integrating the whole ecosystem. So behaviors that I see on their online platforms, Drive and Gmail and stuff, I'm seeing, you know, reflected on the the device as well, which is great. The animations are nicer. Um, I think the multitasking feature is improved. So all in all, you know one day in it seems like a pretty solid upgrade
1: well my my first smartphone was actually the original Nexus one, the first google branded yeah. phone. yeah, and um I still miss a lot of the features they had on the phone. There was a uh, uh the roller ball, right? so mm-hmm. you ha- you could touch everything. There's also this little roller ball that would scroll around between choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kind of really interesting thing was it was integrated into the notification system as well. So that little plastic rollerball would change colors depending on and flash based on whether you had a text hmm. message, a voicemail, a call. So you could have it on silent and have no notifications popping up. And you'd just have this very subtle thing yeah. to, to show you that there was a notification. And, and uh, you know, I know you don't need the little rollerball, but, it.
0: God, it was so fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, one of the nice things about this this new version as well is, you know, there are um some more predictive qualities to the interface. So it's throwing in additional buttons on certain screens. Yeah. So if I just was texting with someone, there's a, a button that kind of references that message sitting in my applications menu now when yeah. I open it. So I can get there really quick and and it's also looking at my calendar, you know, and saying, hey, if you want to open that email related to that calendar right out of the applications menu. That's cool. Um, the other thing that's interesting too is it. as far as I can tell what it's doing is, so if you have a, a pixel, when you uh, kind of flick up from the bottom, you get the whole applications menu, which is al- in alpha order. Right. But there are five um, apps at the top that change depending on your frequency yeah. of use. And I think what it's doing is actually, it's changing them on like what I just used, but it's also... Um, anticipating what I use during the day at certain times. Oh, wow. So like this morning when I opened it, it had Kindle reader app. It had a, a calendar app. It had email and it had um, my text messaging. But last night it had like email, YouTube, you know, and and the reader app. And it didn't have like it had dropped two of the other ones that were there earlier in the day. Yeah. So it, that that's kind of an interesting thing, too, that it's kind of saying, hey, we, we know you. I don't know if that's creepy or not, but we know you as, as a person. This is what you're u- using at certain times yeah, of day. As, so. as a reward for giving up any semblance yeah. of privacy,
1: <laughs> we're going to make your,
0: your life way more convenient. The recurring theme yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so what else is going on we want to talk about?
1: So I, I think one of the things, in the, you know, uh, looking at the news... Uh, I was really struck uh, uh, watching the kind of collapse or implosion, even of uh, Alex Jones and InfoWars. Yeah. Um, and it really struck me as kind of an interesting point. And we've talked about it before. When you rely on these private services as your distribution channel and you don't own your own distribution, uh, you are at the whim of these. these yeah. Um, you know, we, we we talked about it before with YouTube changing their, you know, kind of payment mm-hmm. algorithm and like cutting off people who were really relying on income because their their audiences weren't big enough suddenly, but they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, just struck me as, you know, they're not there to, to help you. These businesses are there to help themselves. And yeah. if you in any way kind of go against the flow of their revenue streams, you are completely at their whim.
0: Yeah, and I think it also exposes, you know, that the classic misunderstanding of First Amendment rights, you know, like the the First Amendment is there to protect you from the government infringing on your right, right to speech, but it it doesn't protect you from the consequences of your speech in the public at large. And I think you know Facebook and um, you know other like services turning off YouTube, certain pages Apple. because it's breaking their terms of service, right? Maybe they were kind of ignoring it before, but as the as the heat turns up, you know they you know it forces them into a position where you know maybe they have to start looking a little bit more tightly at what those terms of services are and how they're going to actually enforce the rules that they put down in the first place.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and it and it seems advantageous at this point, again, just one of those where we veer into the political. But, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, Alex Jones is kind of a, an offensive dude. But I, I kind of respect his, you know, right to be offensive. Absolutely. Um, but where it gets interesting is when you just rely, no matter what your position is and what your kind of editorial uh, mm-hmm. Theme is if you don't own your distribution, you can get cut off at any time, and and it's just one of those things. I you know I said it five minutes ago. I'm going to say it again. Just it could be the good guys next time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and whoever you think is the good guys, right? Right. Exactly. That is. Uh. I think that point is is really lost these days. I think a lot of people respect. I don't know if a lot of people respect the rights of other people to say things that they disagree with. I think it's important. Right? It seems like not. It, I, but I, it's, it is important to say, look, a guy like Alex Jones has the right to say what he wants to say, as long as he's not endangering other people's lives or causing, you know, the classic clear and present danger to somebody else. But again, there are consequences to speech. We're starting to see <laughs> those consequences bear out as it pertains to social networks. Sure. And the other
1: side of this, really, when you, when you think about how these not only how these platforms have positioned themselves, but really is how they're going to have to position themselves to be competitive in the future. Mm. So historically they said, you know, we're, you know, we're not responsible for any content. You know, we're just a platform. Right. Uh, anyone is fair game. And all that did was create, you know, commodity outlets for all these different voices. Mm-hmm. So they're all realizing now that they need to, quote, unquote, own content, right? And they need to be a destination in their own right. hmm or from an advertiser perspective, right, you just start to, you know, price uh, hunt against all of these different outlets, right? So yeah. whether it's, you know, I could buy the same eyeballs on iTunes or YouTube or Facebook. And if I don't care which it is because the content is spread across all of those outlets, then, of course, you know, you say, okay, bid for it, right? Yeah. And none of these companies want to do that. And so I think <laughs> they're starting to realize that they actually have their own brands and they need to, you know, be a network. Yeah, uh, I think more of this is coming, and I think there's going to be far more exclusives. YouTube has started this. Really, they were like, "We have YouTube creators, and we are—you know—you won't find this stuff on Vimeo. You won't yeah. find it on Facebook." And so, uh, it's interesting. We'll see how it plays
0: out. Yeah, I mean that gets right into the um, my sorrow at finding out that although there will be a Jean Luc Picard Star Wars series, Star Trek coming up, Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh you my God! Just <gasps> lost, lost it. You <sighs> lost your geek cred. I did that.
1: Why don't you rewind and I'll oh, edit that up?
0: Oh, man. No, you should leave it. Okay. That's a bad one. It is bad. I'm sorry, Jean-Luc Picard. Right. I love that. You will not be tried with. I, <laughs> I, I was a, a big Next Generation fan. Um, you know, And hearing that, that that was going to be a new Star Trek series, I was like, yes! And then I saw... I'm going to have to pay for the CBS streaming service? (laughs) No, I'm not. So I just won't watch that until it's available some other way. Yeah,
1: and it might not be for a while. (laughs) CBS knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're locking that down. So, um, you know, uh, that also kind of leads into another topic, which was, um this is actually star wars related that uh disney is starting to pull the rights for uh star wars content on like tbs and tnt because they're prepping for their own streaming app which comes out next year which i will gladly be paying for because yeah. it has all the content both my children and myself want to watch every marvel film all the things yeah. it's well got and all now the...
1: they just you know they just bought the fox stuff so all your x-men films are finally going to be on, on there as well
0: and boom goes the dynamite
1: yeah. <laughs> Uh, for all you kids who don't know that reference, uh, Google it, please. It's you, one of my favorite yeah. kind of viral videos. Of Early all time. YouTube, yeah. ye
0: old YouTube. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom
1: goes the dynamite. Yeah,
0: three words. Do it. Um, you will thank that's, us that's, later. That is four words, by the way. Are there any? <laughs> oh, this, this is, is terrible. This is, this is, this is <laughs> Justin jurek flubs his lines day. <laughs> oh, brother. Anyway. What else were we going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> I lost the thread. <laughs> <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely four. <laughs> I draw pictures. Anyway. <laughs> um, what were the other topics? You didn't Hold bring on. I door wrote door. them down. Yeah. I wrote them down. Hold on. I should do like. Okay. I'm gonna... Let's find the page. Movie Pass! Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha!
1: Yeah, Movie Pass. Yeah, so we were going to talk about Movie Pass, and um, you know,
0: that was never going to work. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just going to.
1: I mean, really, should so, that be
0: should that that should be the start of the podcast? Movie Pass. <laughs> that was never going to work. Ding. So,
1: so this is where you know, like we talk about our narrative based innovation process, mm-hmm. and, and you know. If someone had just sat and started writing up the story of MoviePass, um, and really through all its ramifications, and maybe what were the other characters? Right, what are the protagonists gonna do? Mm-hmm. What are the antagonists gonna do? There's
0: some major antagonists. <laughs> what are they?
1: Yeah. What are the? What is the? You know, Peanut Gallery gonna do and say? Um, so, you know, this whole idea was they were gonna, you know, growth hack their way to acquisition. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, first, first, for those of you that never used or understood Movie Pass, Justin, what what is Movie Pass, or what was a healthy Movie Pass when it was kind of healthy, maybe?
1: So it was never healthy, but it yeah, started. It, it actually, it started. Uh, it was thirty dollars a month in twenty twelve. Where we thirty dollars a month, you can see a movie, one movie a day, um, and when that didn't work. Uh, and they were losing money, they decided uh nine ninety nine a month you can see one movie a day um, so when you cut your revenue by sixty <laughs> percent so they they would have to at least triple their user base mm-hmm. to 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 get to the money losing position they were in at thirty dollars a month so and, and they may have done that, but the problem is that 's not really how you scale right um and the movie theaters hated them right but um so we'll come that, back to that in a yeah. moment. So at, at nine ninety nine a month, uh, you know, you go, you use your movie pass. I mean, AMC theaters or any of these other um, holding companies are billing movie pass at least, you know, eight something, right? Uh, because that's the average price of a ticket. But mm-hmm. in in cities like you know New York and Chicago, tickets are like thirteen to fifteen dollars sometimes, yeah. depending yeah. on on what movie you're seeing. It's painful. So. Um, you know, they were just bleeding money like crazy. And so the other thing they tried to do, then suddenly they, they update the the MoviePass app. And so the MoviePass app starts just, like, invading your privacy like crazy. So <laughs> they start tracking your location. They start doing all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, when this comes out, right, people go ballistic because uh, it's really not what they signed up for. And um, so, they, you know, MoviePass backs off. They were going to sell, you know, the hell out of your data. Mm-hmm. Um so if you can't do that and by nature your venture is a money losing proposition um and I'll get to another reason why that is in a second mm-hmm. um uh there's just no way to survive right and well the funny thing is you know i mean the arguments being made were kind of like the the health club right so like We'll have a bunch of people who pay for this who just don't use it, and that'll subsidize, you know, all the people who are going every day. Yeah, but there's this segment again. Write the story. Who's going to pay for this? What are the user segments look like? Um, the only people who are interested in Movie Pass are people that go to more than one
0: movie a month. Right. Right. So I mean, and, I, and the average moviegoer, or the average person in the United States goes to see a movie five times a year in a theater.
1: Yeah, so it's not it's for them. That's actually that whole 90, $9.99 a month, is is a money losing proposition. Right. So I mean, I love movies, but I've gotten to the point now where I've got a really good setup in my house. Right. And I this just, is ultimately why yeah. the price
0: of a movie ticket is so much more expensive, yeah. right?
1: And and I'm all for them charging whatever they want. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, they've been you know, they've been up in their game, and some of them are like bars with food, and you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm like again. I want, if I want to go out for dinner and, and drinks, I don't want to be in a movie
0: theater while I'm, you know, I want to talk to people. I will say, I watched Solo drinking in an old-fashioned, so that, you know. Well, I do, too, But I'll do that at home. I know, but it was a social thing. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. it was that was, I get that. Yeah. I, I, like, that's kind of a good addition, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But, so ultimately, right, there wasn't that dynamic that they were betting on, hoping for. I mean, I really think this was, you know, pump and dump scheme. <laughs> you know, they were trying to get enough users and, yeah. you know, like some kind of scale that someone would buy them, whether it's AMC mm-hmm. or one of the other theaters. And and you brought up an interesting
0: point, and I don't know if you want to talk about what was the response from AMC. Well, AMC uh, just a few months back was like, hey, you know what? Um, you know, we're going to have our own club <laughs> where you can pay. 20 or 30 dollars a month and go see as many movies as you want and you can go see any movie any movie that is at our theaters at any time no blackouts or anything like that so you know i they they just basically stole movie pass and branded it amc and you know they control both the supply and the vehicle for you know for for getting people into the theater yeah and you brought up an interesting point
1: too and if you want to take lessons on how to kill a company uh more quickly movie pass is a really good example you talked about blackouts so when they Mm -hmm. started um you know when they realized they were hemorrhaging money and, and running out of cash um they started like limiting the proposition. Oh, no. Well, you can't go to any movie. You can only go to these certain movies and not on the days when people actually want to see movies. Mm. Like They were like, Friday night? Oh, no. You can't use Movie Pass on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. You can only use it on Tuesday yeah. at 2.30 p.m. Um, you know, why would I pay for that? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. Nobody would. All right. So it just, just highlights there's this whole philosophy in, in the Valley and, and kind of Pervading, you know, a lot of startups, growth hacking. Just there is no such thing. You either have a sound business model or you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you may be lucky enough to kick the can down the street to some unsuspecting buyer who has some use for those users, and a business is hemorrhaging money. But that is not what you want to bet on, and it's not what certainly I want to invest in. Right. So, growth hacking doesn't work. Movie Pass,
0: doomed. Sorry, guys. You know, one other topic we wanted to cover today, it was some of the, you know, updates about AI and like what the adoption is. Like I feel like this is kind of a it's an interesting transitory period, right, where there are more and more features being added to these kinds of services that people yep. use every day. And then on the other side, you know, you can look at kind of the comfort people are having with interacting with these services and it it it's an interesting kind of adoption point, I think, where these two things are kind of coalescing.
1: Well, I think uh, one thing to highlight is how little people really understand that AI is being kind of deployed and they don't know it. So uh, Adobe had this um, article on their blog about, you know, all these, like, all these, you know, wild facts about AI that you didn't understand. And one of the points they they, uh, published was 33% of Americans Uh, assume they have used a service, you know, powered with AI at some point. And the truth is 77% of Americans have.
0: That's a huge gap.
1: Um, And I think really the, the, the promise of AI is not the, you know, I'm going to talk to Alexa and Alexa is going to talk back. The, the promise of AI really is that you don't notice it.
0: Right. If the Um, incremental increases in your own kind of productivity or the, the, Responsiveness of an application, right? You 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 brought it up already, right? Your phone. There you go. I mean, you
1: know, it, it, this whole conversational AI is is great in science fiction, and um, there's very little research going on, as far as I know. And I've done just some scouring of, of the of tubes, but there's very little research in academic circles on kind of generalized AI, right? A brain. We're making yeah. a brain that can adapt and do whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of focused on. Yeah, kind of narrow tasks. Yeah, yeah. Or, or least, like the personality-based stuff. Yeah. Well, like they have like... It's it's machine learning around a specific set of rules uh-huh. or, or a, a, a single use or at least a narrow set of uses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, so around you know, personalization, right? You've liked this before or the way you use your phone changes during the day. So we're going to learn that and we're going to spit back, you know, an interface that is adjusted based on those things. And those are the kind of things that, you know, you you weren't thinking about like, oh, that's AI or machine learning, but Mm -hmm. it totally is. It's being not done on your phone. I'm guessing if it's Google, it's all done in the cloud and Mm -hmm. spit back out to the phone, which means they're, again, tracking everything you do. Woo! Tracking! But, you know, (laughs) When AI is really successful, no one's going to notice it's AI.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just like
1: really good service at a restaurant.
0: Right. I mean, it's the classic technology, right? The, the, the best technology almost, it presents itself almost as magic, yeah. right? And disappears. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just in the background doing what it does. And I think ultimately that, to me, tells almost, in some ways, it, it tells me a more hopeful story than maybe we've been thinking about. AI, right? I think we've been. It, there is an eventuality, right, where the robots take all our jobs, right? There's, there's <laughs> that avenue, right? And our children, and make us into batteries. Yeah, there's that. But there's also like the the kind of living alongside the tech, where the the tech, um, the tech is able to increase the kind of useful time and productivity the individual has, um, and I think that. That was the thing with like this upgrade that I was looking at, you know, when I was reading about it, I was like, oh, that's that's really smart use of machine learning. Yeah. That on, a, in, on an individual level, it's seeing what are the things I do, you know, during different times of day, and it's just giving me shortcuts so that it takes me just a little bit less time to do the thing I was gonna normally do. And when you kind of extrapolate that into work tools, you know, stuff that people do, repeated tasks and things like that, that, that really, you know, I think it, it increases the, the, you know, amount of productivity an individual can have in a business, which is an interesting kind of proposition from, you know, the revenue perspective as well. Right. Well, it's interesting, like, oh, you know, through the
1: 60s and 70s and 80s until now, you know, this whole promise of increased productivity, there was a little bit with computers, but all it did really was, um, you know, actually kind of make people work longer. It's very interesting. Mm. That's not mm-hmm. huge productivity increases per hour that I've seen in some of these studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, your your point is interesting, and it's Mark Andreessen has the same kind of idea. And so um, if people don't remember who Mark Andreessen is. Uh, currently, he's, a, you know, a partner in Andreessen Horowitz, a venture capital firm. But uh, originally, he started Netscape, um, which... if you kids don't remember was ye like old Netscape. The, it was like really the first popular browser, and and uh, it was the, like the when first you... victim of uh, Microsoft uh, that I remember in yeah. my life. Well, it was the you know it was dial-up days. Netscape. Yeah, yeah, it was indeed. Um, I actually used a precursor, Spyglass, which uh-huh. you're you're a University of Illinois grad, so mm-hmm. both of mm-hmm. those are out of the supercomputing. They program sure there. are. So, but Mark Andreessen's point is that like you know. He's very optimistic about the effect of technology on society. And, you know, he's in the camp that the more kind of automation we build into things, the more time people are going to have to, you know, scrapbook and (laughs) write poetry. (laughs) Um, And I hope that's the case. I really do. Uh, Well, you know, the, the, other side of that argument is that it's just going to they're they're what they're going to have more time
0: to scrapbook whether they want it or not meaning right. they're not going to have anywhere to go during the day right well and the other the there's the the other kind of uh, part of that story is does it eventually kind of draw an even greater divide between you know the haves and the have-nots that the people with the access to these technologies continue to accelerate and concentrate wealth right yep. at the expense of the rest. Um, who maybe don't have that access. And, you know, you already see that today. I am going to say, that sounds familiar. Yeah, but I was just saying, it, it would accelerate, yeah. you know, that tendency even more. Yeah, that's, uh, let's hope hope not. Let's hope not. People need something to do, even if it is crafting. But you'd want to be like rewarded for it. There, there's something to be said about like doing something that is contributing to the overall society yes emotionally fulfilling yes yeah and on that devastatingly bleak point <laughs> god we always end there <laughs> how do we you know what we need like a rainbows and unicorns uh podcast ending at I'll, some point i'll try and uh, whip up a nice little piece of music can you put some sound happy. effects right here and i'll say and this podcast ends with rainbows and unicorns yeah Consider it done. This podcast ends with rainbows and unicorns. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Brilliant. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe or rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Brilliant is recorded at Mignani, an experienced design and strategy firm in Chicago, Illinois. To learn more about what Mignani can do for you, visit Mignani.com. That's M-A-G-N-A-N-I.com.